and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to yours. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. In 1975, the academic year, 75-76, although it was a full year, I was sent to Norfolk, Virginia as part of a program called the WOW Ambassador Program. Along with three other people, and we were sent out in, in, well, it was a lot of us, but we were sent in groups of four, a family of four, that would live together, that worked part-time, and that were there for the express purpose of speaking God's Word to people and establishing fellowships in the area. Um, what a lot of people would call missionary work. And 1975-76 was a very key year in our country. It was, 1976, obviously, the bicentennial year. And not only was that important for historic purposes, but it was also a time in our country that was not just a time of celebration, but also a time where a lot of groups had targeted that year to be some, a year that they wanted to have their goals come to pass. And a lot of those groups, their goals were very bad. Um, they were, you know, groups that were counterculture, groups that were revolutionary. In addition to that, a lot of things happened in the early and mid-70s that continued to happen and accelerated from that, but it's that time where a lot of changes was happening in the country. Jobs began to really go overseas. People that worked in jobs like the auto industry and the steel industry and had worked there for their entire lives all of a sudden found themselves out of work. Now these industries were moving to other places. A lot of different things were happening in our country. And there was this creeping, um, what became referred to by the president who was elected in 76, Jimmy Carter, this, this uh, crisis of confidence and this, this feeling of malaise that was creeping into the country. It was a time where our country stood at a brink, not unlike the current time that we're in. I've lived through a lot of turbulent times. Um, you know, you live long enough, you, you can say that, I guess. You know, I grew up in the period of the 1960s with, against the backdrop of the Civil Rights Movement, and then that moved into the Vietnam era and all of the student protests against that. And, you know, I attended Kent State University, which those of you that are old enough to, to recognize that name as being significant know the events that happened there. And there's been a lot of times that were difficult times, times of unrest. And certainly what we are facing now is one of those times, but this was the case back in 75. 
And I'd like to read to you a, a short article um, written by Victor Paul Wirrell in a regular f recurring um, feature in The Way magazine called Our Times. It's entitled, These Are the Times That Try Men's Souls. Thomas Paine wrote those words 200 years ago as a young nation, nearly exhausted by a desperate war for independence, faced the crisis of her existence. Because a few would not surrender to the tyranny of defeatism, that nation survived and prospered to become the greatest the world has ever known. Little does America now realize that these, our times, are trying the souls of her sons and daughters to prove whether this land of the free and home of the brave can long endure. I, for one, believe that she shall endure because the new sons of liberty, God's chosen ones from before the foundation of this nation and the world, are carrying his gospel of salvation from sea to shining sea. However, the future of America depends not so much upon how many Americans hear the accuracy of God's word, but upon whether or not those who hear rise up to walk in the greatness of what the captain of their salvation accomplished for them. Powerful words. It goes on. Tonight we're going to look at what we do during the times that try men's souls. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Many people have responded in these times in many different ways. Some have surrendered themselves mentally to the idea that our country is just going down the tubes. And others flirt with the notion of anarchy as though it is a good thing. While others are filled with fear, uncertainty, and anger. There's a lot of different ways that you can respond. There's a lot of things suggested of what we should do. And some different practical suggestions may be good and all uh, helpful. Others, perhaps not. But most importantly, the greatest thing that we can do is to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. And as it says, you don't have to turn there, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, for though we war in the, walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In Ephesians chapter 6, there is this very important section of Scripture that we're going to take the time to really look at because it is so key not only to understanding what we're going through and having the correct perspective on it, but also what we can do during these very trying times. We'll be back to verse 10, but look first at verse 12. 
where we're told the unchanging truth, the timeless truth, the eternal truth, in verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It looks like we wrestle against flesh and blood. That's what you hear on the news all the time. It's what's thrown in front of you all the time. It's what you cannot even avoid. You know, unless you're willing to you know, go live in a cave somewhere, you can't escape being confronted with the onslaught of news of this fight that seems so much a matter of flesh and blood wrestling against one another. And yet God's Word tells us that that's never the case. And it's very obviously, to those that have eyes to see, not the case right now. That we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. Life is spiritual. And those that are too foolish and blind to see that, are the ones that are most easily destroyed because of it. Those that are too foolish out of the wisdom of this world to recognize that spiritual battle are the ones that are right where the adversary wants them, where he is so free to just destroy their lives. They know the consequence. They know their lives are destroyed. And yet they, they are blinded to see what is behind it. You know, I'm reminded of something that Dr. Earl said when he said that even if I didn't believe in, in, the, in God, I, I think I'd believe in the devil. <laughs> Boy, you don't have to look far to see the wickedness that he has wrought. But it is a spiritual fight. It is a spiritual battle. And if we try to fight that with carnal means, if we limit ourselves to senses solutions, well then we've missed the real solution. And we instead of ever getting to the cause and dealing with the cause, we we simply limit ourselves to trying to take care of the symptoms. You know, there's certain physical diseases that, you know, that's all anybody ever does is just deal with the symptoms. You know, take this and, and your nose will quit running. But they don't solve, they don't get to the cure. And other ones that they do get to a cure. But the cure for the woes of this world are, are spiritual. And that's what it talks about here. Let's back up and see the context in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Boy, that's where it starts. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. He will never let us down. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. And when our strength is in the Lord, it doesn't matter what else happens. The promises of God's Word are dependent 
only on the faithfulness of God to do what he promised. It doesn't matter what happens. And that's my only, that, that, it's, it's always my comfort. I don't mean that in a negative sense of, you know, oh my gosh, I've given up on everything else. But that's what I can trust. I can't trust in men. I can't trust in the arm of flesh. Some men trust in horses, some men trust in chariots, but I will trust in the Lord. What's that other verse that you like? Yeah, say it louder. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. The safety is in the Lord. See? The horse is prepared for the day of battle. Armies, governments, the, the powers of man. All of those things are prepared for the day of battle. And you know what? If you're in a battle, you might be happy to have a horse or a you know, tank nowadays. But if that's where you put your trust, well, then you're foolish. If you put your trust in men to work things out, if you put your trust in governments, if you put your trust in anything on the five senses level, boy, you're, on, you're building your house on the sand. You're building your house on the sand. And boy, when the rains come, you're a foolish man. But when you build your house on Christ, when you build it on the solid rock of Him, on God and His Word, why, then you've got something to be strong in. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of, of God that ye may be able to stand. Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because of that, as a result of that being what the real fight is, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to do what? Stand. 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 The excerpt that I read from you, the point he makes in there is greater than knowing is living it, standing on God's word. And boy, if our country, personally, I believe that the only reason that we have weathered all of those storms that I've seen us safely through in the course of my lifetime is because of God's love, protection, and grace and mercy on this nation for the sake of his people. That there is a faithful remnant. And whether that remnant is smaller than it once was or bigger, I'll leave it to others to figure out. But God will take care of his people. God will take care of his people. But boy, we need to stand. We need to be faithful. We need to stand on that word, putting on that whole armor. What's it say then? Verse 13, 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. It begins to describe the armor. And it is the whole armor. It is the whole armor. One of the pieces of that armor 
that you get to at the very end is prayer. Is that the only thing that's involved in that armor? No. No. And yet, far too often, even amongst the best of Christians, the only thing that I ever hear suggested is that we pray. Pray. We need to pray. Yeah, we do need to pray. We do need to pray. We certainly do. But if you think that that's all that we need to do, you've missed the point of this whole section of Scripture, along with a lot of other things in God's Word. There's more involved in what we need to do than just say, okay, God, I'm giving it to you. It's your problem now, and that's it. Let go and let God is is a wonderful truth. But we need to do what we need to do. We are fellow laborers with God. And God has entrusted us with certain things. And he has given us both the authority and the responsibility to walk his word, to walk with the full armor, to walk with the power of God. He gave it to us for a reason. He gave us this wonderful gift of Holy Spirit. Not so that we could just let it sit there and go to waste. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. But that we would operate it. That we would manifest it. That we would walk in the power of God. That we would speak in tongues, interpret, prophesy, walk with word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, gifts of healing. All of those nine manifestations are given. You know why? Because we need them. We need them. It's not optional equipment. And none of what's described in Ephesians chapter 6 is optional equipment. Wherefore, it says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. What's truth? What's truth? The truth of whether this guy's right or this political party, the left or the right, or this commentator. Is that truth? No. You know, some would say. The truth will set you free, and they they then quote you some worldly fact, as though that's going to do anything for you. The word of God is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus Christ, John 17, 17. Truth, that's it. And it says having your loins, and all of these things are so key, your loins. Your loins is the center of strength for your whole body. You know, your core strength, having that loins girt about with truth. And then, what's the next thing? Having on the breastplate of righteousness. What does a breastplate do in armor? Protects your heart. Protects your heart. How do we protect our hearts? How do we protect our hearts? It's important to do. We know that. It tells us in God's Word that out of the heart come the issues of life. It talks about believing emanating from the heart. So it's a very important thing to protect that heart. How do we do it? by putting on that breastplate of righteousness, knowing that God made you righteous through Jesus Christ. Verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of what? Peace. Peace. Boy, there's something that people can use right now, huh? The gospel of peace. Your feet shod. Your feet shod. You know, shod. The only time I ever heard that word is like, putting on horseshoes on a horse. Um, Thankfully, that's not how we have to go through it. You know, but boy, even if you're working in construction, you wear some good heavy boots, right? You want to take care of those feet. You want to make sure that 
since that's where you do your walking. And it's the gospel of peace that we move. It's the gospel of peace that we share. How beautiful are the feet of them that share the gospel, preach the gospel, right? Verse 16. Above all. Above what? All. Above all. Taking the shield of faith or believing, wherewith you're able to quench all the fiery darts or arrows of the wicked. Fiery darts, you know, it's arrows. It's not like little, you know, I, darts. I think of a guy in a bar, you know, throwing these things. You know, well, that doesn't seem like that's too much to be concerned about. You know, get a little dart there, just pull it out. No, this is fiery arrows, you know. Now I got the picture. You know, I've seen those movies. You know, these guys with the, you know, they launch, they set those things on fire and then they burn down the castle or whatever. Our defense is that shield of believing. It's that big shield, you know. And boy, has a family. It's great when you individually have a shield, right? That, that's helpful. But when you stand in the family of God, with everybody with shields, then it's like the Romans where they had those things and they had that whole system where they interlocked those and they just had like a huge ceiling of shields to protect themselves from those fiery arrows that were coming in. It's the fiery arrows of the wicked. And boy, that's what we have to have. That shield of believing because the adversary is always, the enemy is always throwing some kind of, shooting some kind of fiery arrow at you. And there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. You know, it's, you have periods of, of relatively calm times in your life or in the nation, but that's replaced by something. But we can protect ourselves so that these things don't get to us. He will always be persecuting. It says that all those that live godly shall suffer persecution. It means that the devil's always going to be after you. You know, my, one of my favorite little expressions. God's always voting for you. The devil's always voting against you. Your vote determines the election. He's always after you. God's always on your side. The determiner is you. you. It's me, oh Lord. And that believing, it is that believing that keeps those attacks from taking their toll. What else do we have? Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet. The helmet. That's another important part to go into battle with, right? You know, even today you've got a, some kind of helmet if you're going into battle. Um, the helmet of salvation, that's wholeness. And it's referring to not just that we are saved, but our hope, our hope. That the way we protect our head is that we continue to look to that hope, that hope of Christ's return, that hope that is the anchor of the soul. It's the anchor of the soul because it helps us to recognize that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. That hope. That you know what, folks? We have the final victory, no matter what. 
No matter what, we have the final victory because if you are born again of God's Spirit, if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe God raised Him from the dead, then you're saved. And you're born again of God's Spirit and you are heaven-bound and all hell can't stop you from going. And knowing that, knowing that we have that final victory, it keeps life in perspective. It keeps life in perspective. No matter what, we win in the end. If everything, if, if, you know, I had the worst day ever. Well, if you had the worst day ever from now until the time the Lord returns or you draw your last breath, you still win in the end. You still win in the end. And going on in verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is the the one thing in this armor that is the actual offensive weapon, right? You know, you could take your helmet off and try beating people with that, and, you know, it might help a little bit, but I'd much rather have a sword, wouldn't you? Yeah. What's the sword? The Word, the of, Word God. of God. The Word of God. You know, it says, you don't have to turn there, but it says in Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive. Quick means alive. It's alive, and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We don't go in with a physical sword. And I think about that. I think I thought about a lot of different scriptures. You know, I thought about the ones in Romans where it talks about avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto vengeance. To not be overcome of evil, but to overcome evil with good. It talks about that in Romans. And thought about how many people do try to overcome evil with evil. How many people retaliate? How many people respond for one evil act with only another? Jesus Christ said to Peter, who picked up a sword, <laughs> that those that live by the sword will do what? Die, by, Die the by the sword. Die by the sword. It's just not where it's at. Not that kind of sword. But instead, the sword of the Spirit. That is our sword, the Word of God. How do we fight? Because the Word of God is life and powerful. And when we speak God's Word, when we live God's Word, when we stand on God's Word, that is what makes an impact. That's what changes the, 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 the tide of our times. Man sees things from only his limited, blind, spiritually blind eyes, unless he is looking with spiritual eyes. But God's viewpoint is so different. I think of times in God's Word where you see that contrast between God's viewpoint and man's. Times like the death of Saul. If you read the record in the one place, the death of Saul looks like why he was just a, a battle casualty, a casualty of war. Why did Saul die? Well, he was in a battle. It was this army. He came. They, they, they killed him. They didn't shoot him. They came. They, they <laughs> killed him. You know, And he died. And I'm sure if you talk to most people that were there on that day and you said, how did Saul die? They'd say, well, that's what happened. But if you read the record in Chronicles, you know what you find out? That the cause of his death was something much different. 
the cause of his death was his disobedience to God and his rebellion against God and his, his going and, and dabbling in, the, the spirit, in spiritual stuff from the negative side, the witch of Endor and all that spiritual darkness that he had no business messing around in. But that's what it says in God's word caused his death. You know, it works both ways. That you can look at these things and you can fail to see the spiritual forces that work negatively. Or you can look at it and fail to see the spiritual forces positively of why things do continue to stand and how we do continue to enjoy freedoms and peace and all of those things when God is who we trust and when we speak his word and live it. Let's continue here. Verse 18, we finally get to that. Praying always. Praying just when you hear things are really, really bad. No. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Supplication, there's, there's a, you know, I'd say $10 word, but I think you'd have to pay more than that for that one. <laughs> supplication just means specific request, making specific requests. Prayer with specific request in the Spirit. And it's prayer and supplication in the Spirit because speaking in tongues is perfect prayer. We pray with our, in the Spirit. We pray with our understanding also. Both. Both are important and powerful. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I'd like to close with the closing paragraph from that same study. Again, our nation faces a crisis of existence, and the tyranny of defeatism hovers upon the land. We are the ones now to decide which way America goes. We are the ones now to guide her into the light, so that our government of the people, by the people, for the people, does not perish from the earth. And these are the times that try men's souls. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.